Mark is the owner and broker of the Krim Group, a real estate brokerage specializing solely in probate and trust real estate sales in the beautiful state of California. As a previous practicing attorney, he's got an intimate knowledge of the probate process in order to ensure each sale is smooth and compliant with the probate code in California. Mark also offers ancillary services such as unlawful detainer services in the case of holdover tenants and handles many limited authority sales requiring court confirmation. A few weeks ago, I had the great honor of sitting down with Mark to discuss a number of important topics related to probate. And because, folks, this conversation was so good, we've decided to divide it up into separate episodes so that you can derive the most value. Mark brought it in this conversation. I can't be more excited to bring to you the content that he's going to deliver. In today's episode, Mark addresses the topic of what to do with inherited real estate. So if you've inherited a property and you want to know what your options are and pros and cons to each of those options, well, you came to the right place and you have a wise probate guide here at the table here to serve you. Welcome to an all new episode of Probate Navigated. This is the show where I dive deep into probate so that you can be the master of resolving your estate so that you have a compelling story to tell. I believe that confusing complexity is the enemy to successfully resolving your estate. And an educated fiduciary with the right team is the best way to defeat that enemy and win in probate. I am your host, Jonathan Smith, and I hope that you enjoy my conversation with the one and only Mark Chinchuli. Mark, welcome to the Probate Navigated Show. Thank you very much. Happy to be here. Glad, really glad to have you, my friend. Uh, we got connected by actually hearing you do a podcast on Pat Hobbins, and I was so impressed. I had to reach out and get you on the Probate Navigated because of the wisdom that you're sharing. Let's start right here though, Mark. Can you take a moment and just share with the listeners your story, how you got involved in probate and, and why it's something that uh, you find compelling? Sure, absolutely. And, and even before then, I, I couldn't even believe that this podcast exists. Like this is exactly what I do, you know, like talk about something that's right on point with what I do. Yes, you know, the Pat Hyman thing, I'm in real estate, but I'm doing, you know, I'm doing probate and trust real estate sales. Um, and a big part of my job is being very, very heavily involved in, in um, knowing what's going on in the probate and trust world. So yes, I'm, I, was, I was very, very excited to know that this actually exists. And I told everyone in my industry that, you know, I'm doing this today and I, I, I can't wait to share it with them. So well, fantastic. That's yeah. encouraging to hear. We, we're just trying to scale wisdom and insight here for people going through this process. And so far, it seems to have uh, really been beneficial. And I think even more beneficial now that you're on this podcast, because we got a lot to talk about here. So Appreciate um, it. talk a little bit about this, the uniqueness that you bring, because you are, you are a bit of an anomaly in this space, because not only are you uh, owner of a brokerage, but you also are a licensed attorney and you bring that into the mix. So can you talk a little bit about that and how that's been beneficial to you and the clients that you've served? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I, I think my path to being a real estate broker in the probate and trust sphere is probably a little different than most, 
first of all, I, I mean, I should say I'm in the LA area and there's not a lot of people like me that do what I do. Um, I think it's, it's an overlooked space. Um, but so even, even comparing to those people, I think my path is, is a little different. I, I started off as a CPA auditing real estate companies. And then once I was licensed, I went, I applied to, to law school, went to law school, passed the bar here in California and did some transactional work in the real estate realm. And then, um, and I always knew I was always dabbling in real estate throughout this whole time. Um, I, I got one of my friends that I had met in law school. He was a litigator for three years. We teamed up. We said, we want to do, we want to be real estate brokers. Um, we think we could do well at it. And we did. And when we first started, we were trying to figure out, you know, what was our unique value proposition? Yes, we were attorneys, but I don't know if that it, it definitely off the bat didn't do anything for us. And then we kind of discovered, stumbled on to the probate niche. Um, and it, it was actually listening to a podcast, listening to a Pat Hyden podcast where he was interviewing Michael Young, Michael Young yeah. right. Yeah. Um, who's up in the Bay area, San Francisco area. Um, and we were like, wow, this is, this sounds we, amazing. It sounds like we would be very well suited for this given our legal backgrounds. So, you know, we started looking into it. We reached out to Michael Young. He said, come on up and I'll, I'll take you through my day. Um, funny enough today after this, someone is flying from Florida today to have lunch. I mean, he, he's coming out here for another reason, but he's basically driving a couple hours to LA and I'm having lunch with him and I'm doing the same thing more or less than Michael Young did with me. You know, I'm not, he's not spending the whole day, but I'm spending a couple hours with him trying to teach him as much as I can. So definitely that's my story. And I'm trying to do that, you know, because I've been on a few podcasts, I've been able to do that with a handful of people, whether in person or on the phone. Yep. Well, and I appreciate how you're uh, being generous with what you've learned, even given your time here, man. Really, really grateful. All right. So let's talk about this because you have got a lot to get through a lot of really important questions. I want to start here. So many of the clients that you and I have the honor of serving are looking at essentially the, the same thing. And that is they, they inherit a piece of real estate and now they've got options. Can you take a moment and let's, let's go macro here. What are these options that they have at their disposal? And then we'll drop down into each of those and ask what might be the pros and cons of them. So you inherit real estate, you can either keep it or you can sell it. But I, I think it's more practical to break it down into four options, and that is keep it and live there, keep it and as a rental and rent it out and collect rental income, um, or number three, sell it, sell it as is. And then the fourth option would be to either re- repair, uh, engage in repairs or improvements and then sell it. So okay. I, I like to look at it in those four lenses for very specific reasons, because I think there's, there's key differentiators um, among those four. And I think it's important to understand the difference um, of each path. So starting with the first one, hold and live, right? I mean, this yep. one, this one is probably, I see the least um, 
see the least amount of people doing, but I think it's still important to know. Um, in the hold and live one, I mean, you, you, you got to get the first thing you got to understand are the, the practical consequences. Okay. What, what are the costs associated with me hanging on to this property, like mortgage, property taxes, insurance, and uh, maintenance, utilities, all that. I mean, just like any living in any primary residence, you've got to understand those things going in. So um, the other thing, other practical consequences, okay, what are the conditions of the property? You know, is this something that I'm, I'm comfortable living? Is it moving ready or do I need to do some work before I move in? Now, those are the practical things. Everyone, everyone more or less intuitively kind of looks at those things. Right. The, the more technical things that I would say to, to look at is the, in, in California, we have um, Prop 13, which is, relates to property taxes. And basically it says, when you buy a property, your property taxes can only increase from year to year at a very, very limited amount, okay. 2% increase a year. So you can imagine that if someone bought a property, let's just say for $50,000 40 years ago, and now that property is worth a million dollars. When you first of all, when you buy a property, your property has a one percent. So in fifty, or sorry, when you bought it for fifty thousand dollars, one percent, five hundred five hundred dollars. So it's only increasing. That five hundred dollars can only increase a maximum of two percent every year. So your 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 fifty thousand dollar purchase this year is probably your property taxes are probably very very minimal, right? Two percent increase. But let's say you bought that million dollar property today. And that's 1%, you're paying 1% on that property tax. So $10,000, okay? So anytime there's a change of ownership, technically you're supposed to have that 1% of property taxes. So to be able to carry over a property tax basis from someone that bought a property at $50,000 to carry it over to, to the person inheriting it would be a huge, huge benefit. Because yeah. if, 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 for instance, dad passes away you know, son inherits, and now all of a sudden, son inherits a tax property tax bill of ten thousand dollars. That would be very That's huge. Yeah, it would be very burdensome on him. Yeah. But if you, can, if you can say, okay, well, no, I'm actually getting the property tax basis of five hundred dollars plus these two percent increments. Let's just say it's a thousand dollars. That's a nine thousand dollar a year saving. So my point is, you know, that that is something that needs to be looked at, and you need to understand the rules in order to capture that benefit. Not to say that each individual listening here, that's either maybe an administrator or executor or, or beneficiary needs to know how it operates. But I think it's something that you need to be aware of so you can bring it up to your attorney. So it's huge. You're leaving yourself extremely vulnerable. If this is a blind spot. And you're, we're talking about a, a pretty big amount of money here left on the table. And let me bring this up, Mark. Given your market, you're, you're bringing in an expertise here that's unique to probate. We're talking about taxes. We're talking about inherited real estate. How important is it, by the way, here for a client to be interacting with a real estate professional who actually understands this probate slash resolving in a state world versus somebody who does not? To answer the question, I think it's very important. It's something that I try and address to people that are new to probate, you know, every single day. And it's, um, I mean, first of all, probate is a court supervised process with very stringent requirements. And what I'm doing, technically my job at its core is to sell real estate within the probate context. 
Right. So I better know the rules in order to, you know, not cause delays, not cost money to the estate. And I can give you examples later, of, uh, specific examples in order to, to, to sh uh, prove up what I'm talking about. But I, I, I think it's, it's extremely important. You know, the simple answer to your question is extremely important and most often undervalued. Yeah. Yeah. Most people think, Oh, I just need a realtor to sell real estate. Right. I mean, right. Why, why would I, why do I need a, what's a probate realtor? You know? Right. right. Okay, good. Oh, I was just going to say, so the, the, the property tax rules in order to uh, preserve a property tax from generation to generation is a benefit of option one. I just wanted to mention one disadvantage of option one. Yeah. And that's, it's, it's more of a practical matter, but it's, let's say brother and sister inherit one property. Well, it's not going to make a whole lot of sense for both of them to live together. You know, if they're both adult. So, you know, that's where I think when there's multiple beneficiaries, this option yeah. one is not, not really a viable option. Right. Right. So, right. But yeah, I mean, and then I, we can move on to option let's two. Let's go to option two then. Okay. Yeah, let's talk about investment property. So how, do, where, where, or to what client, what situation does that make sense? Option two is to hold and to rent out the property yeah. as a rental. And in, I mean, I'm, first of all, in general, I'm a big proponent of rental property. Yeah, too. It creates a more or less passive income and um, you're able to capture the appreciation over the years. You're able to deduct expenses. You're able to deduct appreciation. So there's a lot of, you know, key benefits into real estate investing in general. And this is basically one, essentially a form of real estate investing. But in the, let's see, in the probate context specifically, I would say you still... Uh, Another benefit here is still that same key in property tax preser uh, basis preservation. So the same rules can apply even if you're holding this as a, as a rental. It's, uh, there's, no, there's no rule that just because you're inheriting a property from dad to, to daughter that it excludes you if daughter decides to keep this as a rental. Uh, and, and think about what that does. That's just going to increase. It's going to decrease your expenses and increase your bottom line. Yeah. Okay, good. So, so this is this is a this is an attractive option for individuals that are looking to make cash now and cash later mm -hmm. through this as an investment. Are there specific things that they need to make sure that they are asking and or finding answers to on this option that maybe you find other people don't don't typically think through? Well, here's the common kind of pitfall that I see and it's it's also typically with multiple beneficiaries. So let's say, let's switch over, because it doesn't really matter, probate and trust context, but let's say it's a trust context. And they, the, there's, a, there's one prop, property, one house, let's say in a trust, and there's two siblings that are going to inherit it. And let's say the trust distributes the property in both the brother and sister's name, okay? And they, they, they both decide, yep, we want to keep it as a rental and we want to rent this thing out for, for forever. And then all of us, you know, a year later, brother decides, you know what? I actually kind of need the cash and, you know, sister, will you just buy me out? Well, if that happens, that's a change of ownership yeah. that's outside of this exclusion, this, um, this property tax basis reassessment exclusion. 
And what's that's going to do? It's going to trigger a property tax basis increase, just like any other sale. So I like to make sure anytime there are multiple beneficiaries that they know if this is, if this is the way, if you can anticipate this type of thing and you can't always, then instead of distributing the property from the trust to the two siblings and then having the uh, sibling buyout, rather than doing that, you could, the trust could get a loan, distribute the proceeds of that loan, of, of half the loan amounts to one sibling and then distribute the whole property to the other sibling. And if that's done, the sibling who is inheriting the property has no, there's no triggering of a property tax assessment. And then the other sibling gets the proceeds that they would have got. So yeah, it's just, a, you know, it's just, it's just thinking ahead and structuring it right. And again, this is not the realtor's job. This is not um, the successor trustee's job. This is really the attorney's job, but it's, if, the more a successor trustee or beneficiary or someone knows about it to bring it up, you know, the more likely it is that it's going to be done right from the outset. Right. So. That's fantastic. Okay. Let's talk about this third option and sure. sell it. So I really like this third option, especially for my clients in California. Okay. So the third option is to sell in as is condition. And the reason I like that is, well, there's a few reasons. One, when you inherit a property, you get a, what, what is called a stepped up basis. Um, and, and that means if, if dad bought a property for $50,000 and now it's worth a million dollars and dad is still alive, <clears throat> dad would have to pay capital gains on $950,000. But a stepped up basis when it's, transferred via inheritance, um, the son and daughter, their basis gets stepped up to whatever it's worth at the date of death. So now, you know, son and daughter inherit a, what's worth a million dollars and they want to sell it today for a million dollars, they're paying zero, there's zero dollars subject to capital gain tax. Huge, huge benefit. Yeah, huge. Uh, to the beneficiaries of, of real estate. So, that's one reason. I mean, and let me clarify, you get a stepped up basis, whether you're going to improve the property or they're going to sell it as is. It's just something that I still like to mention. It's, you know, when you're, you're going to sell a property very near, you know, post, post passing, uh, it's, you're, you're most likely going to pay zero to very little capital gains tax. The other reason I really like selling as is condition is there are very limited disclosures in the sale. So you don't have to, most, basically the assumption is, you know, the, the beneficiary didn't live here, doesn't know much about it. So we're not going to require, you know, you disclosing a bunch of stuff about it. Now, if you, if you do know, um, have actual knowledge of something, you, you have to disclose it. But, you know, in, the probate context, that's a huge advantage. I mean, this is, we can now market this as is, you know, we aren't doing anything. We don't know about any, any issues and it's on now the burden is on the buyer. So again, I really like the sell as is um, option for that. And then the 
third reason I like the sell as is option is because like most parts of the country, um, there are a lot of real estate investor types, flippers um, out there. And what's been happening is the value between an as is property in let's say distressed condition and the value between the same property after it's, after it's fully renovated, where it may have been a larger margin in the past has now been squeezed because of all this excess demand. Mm. So, you know, where, where a flipper may have made 20% in a few years ago is now making 10% return on. So I, that's why it's like the, the risk of, of, of messing with a property and trying to approve it and trying to capture that extra equity is actually in my mind, very risky at this time. So we've been able to drive the price up for as is property for our clients, you know, pretty effortlessly. So let's um, pause there for a moment, Mark. Sure. Let's dig down a little deeper in there. Cause I'm imagining a listener here who's benefiting from this and they're saying, Oh no, Mark, as is, it doesn't seem to me that we're going to command the most amount of money if we do as is versus improving the condition of the property. Tell me more. <laughs> so sure. tell us more. Yeah. I mean, okay. So my, my point is if, if we're inheriting a million dollar property right now in as is condition and the after repair value is 1.2 million, what I'm saying is where maybe you could spend um, $100,000 to capture that. Uh, so now your, your basis is 1.1. You can, you can capture that extra additional $100,000. What I'm saying is in these days, in the market we're in right now, that number is squeezed. I mean, now- There's so much demand. There's, there's so much demand. There's so much investor demand. Yeah. And to be honest with you, the, it, I think it's even more, the, the compounding effect is making it even more risky because those pretty pennies, those, those fully done remodeled houses are actually sitting longer as we, you know, in the market that we speak right, that I'm speaking of right now are sitting longer and not, and I'm seeing more price reductions. So, you know, the investor demand is there yet the retail end user buyer demand, I feel like is starting to come off a little bit. So I'm I'm not saying don't do it. And I'm not saying there's money to not, not to be made. I'm just saying it's more risky in my mind than it has been in previous years. That's really good. And I think the thing to underscore here is for for everybody listening, I think it's really important what Mark is saying to, to know your market, know the inventory, know the demand, know what's going on and be able to speak with somebody who not only knows what they're talking about, but can prove it to you with results. And I think especially having somebody here with, with probate experience is going to help you think through all these questions. I think it's well, well said, my friend. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with the one and only Mark Chantrulli. And if you did, please be sure to let us know. You can connect with me on Instagram at I am Jonathan Smith. Be the first to listen to future episodes and previous episodes by subscribing to the show. All of our episodes can be found on all the different pod platforms, iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, SoundCloud, and others. And just by way of reminder, you can find links to everything discussed in the show notes at medium.com slash at probate journal. And until next time, and as always, thank you for listening.